0: Hi everybody, this has been a 007 back for another 10-minute movie review. And today I'm talking about the new Steve Jobs biopic. And by new, I mean that there was, of course, that film starring Ashton Kutcher called Jobs, which got really derisory reviews, but actually I thought was sort of okay. And partly because Ashton Kutcher himself looks so much like the famous and iconic founder of Apple. In fairness, it has to be said that Michael Fassbender looks nothing like Steve Jobs. And I'm not sure if that's a problem, because this is a film about character and about personal relationships. It's directed by Danny Boyle, who made films like 28 Days Later, Slumdog Millionaire, And it has his characteristic hallmarks of being very fast paced, very kinetic, the camera always seems to be on the move. And I think that's right for a man who was visionary and such a pioneer in the computer industry. There's also some very cool use of graphics. So, for instance, at one point, Steve Jobs is using a metaphor of sending people on space missions. And as he's talking to another character, you see pictures of space rockets sort of projected on the wall behind them. I mean, this is obviously a very deliberate visual conceit, but for Danny Boyle, it somehow seems to work. Danny also has this wonderful facility with music and the score of this film really communicates the energy and the excitement of being in a new computerized world and the composer Daniel Pemberton definitely deserves a shout out. But ultimately, as much as this is Danny Boyle's film, really it's the film of Aaron Sorkin and he is, as I'm sure you all know, the screenwriter behind The West Wing the less well-received The Newsroom as TV programmes, but also of The Social Network, which was the Mark Zuckerberg film. So Aaron Sorkin has a track record in making these films about very iconic but controversial figures in the tech industry. He also has that reputation for producing dialogue that's very fast, very quick-witted, and basically just not like anything that you would see in the real world. Um, None of us speak with that kind of eloquence, rat-a-tat-wit, and actually, for some people, it can feel very contrived. And a fellow internet reviewer that I know really didn't get on with the film for that reason. He finds the Aaron Sorkin dialogue too mannered. My objections to the film were actually um, more to do with the characterization and the very concept of it. What Aaron Sorkin does is he splits the life of Steve Jobs into three key moments. The first is when you see the real split between him and and the was played by Seth Rogen. And so basically it's the apex of Apple Mark I. The second is when he's presenting his new black cube for Next, which we know is going to be a fiasco, but sort of engineering his return to Apple. And the final one is when he unveils an iMac, the first of the iDevices. And, you know, he's back and he's ascendant. And all the way through these three scenes, you have... Steve Jobs conversing with the same set of people. So you're seeing how those relationships develop. So on the one hand, you have a technological discussion, and that takes place with uh, Steve Wozniak, played by Seth Rogen. And it's all about the fact that Woz wants to make computers that everyone can use and play with. So he wants them to be not closed systems that people can undo at the back, put in extra memory and play with and create new stuff with, whereas Steve Jobs wants to be a total dictatorial controller of his objects. And that continues to this day, right? Like if you get an Apple product, you can't undo it. If you do undo it, you're going to invalidate the warranty. It's a closed system and it's allowed Steve Jobs to assert complete design control, but it has made his products so, so annoying if you want to do something more with them and has led a lot of people to use Android instead. You also have the fact that Steve Jobs sees what was has achieved with Apple II, the kind of the bedrock um, income-generating product of Apple Mark I, as not part of Apple's future, and therefore he's not willing to give was respect or the people who work for him respect. And so in this relationship, you see both a very technological point, but also a personality point, which is that Steve Jobs has a clear vision of the future, and he is ruthless at pairing off anyone who isn't part of that. The second relationship that we see is also partly technological. It's between Steve Jobs and Andy Hertzfeld, who's played by Michael Stuhlberg, who is really um, kind of unrecognisable from what we would see in Trumbo, which is another movie he was in the London Film Festival with. And again, this is a technological guy who we effectively see Steve Jobs bully. And you do get the impression that, you know, the was and andy hertzfeld are the real technological brains and steve jobs is more the kind of design visionary and you know they make that accusation at him on various points but also that you know andy hertzfeld has more humanity more basic humanity to him but he exists to show us as the movie progresses this ongoing bullying aspect to steve jobs then we have i think a very interesting relationship which is summing up the financial aspect of steve jobs life which is encapsulated in John Scully, played by Jeff Daniels from The Newsroom. And he plays the guy that Steve Jobs brought in to be the CEO of Apple in the first iteration, who really believed in Apple, and he believed in the dream. But then when he sees Steve Jobs like producing computer after computer, that's just way too expensive to be commercially successful, and being volatile, so volatile that he's alienating people, he's forced to sack him. And so that kind of undermines this weird father-son relationship because, after all, we know that Steve Jobs was adopted and had issues with his parenting. And then in the final chapter, we see John Gully come back and almost sort of bless or anoint uh, Steve Jobs as now being successful. It's a very messed up relationship. And then the final two relationships that we see play out are with women. And I think this is where it gets really interesting. So you have... Kate Winslet as Joanna Hoffman who's the head of marketing for Apple I believe who's always trying to sort of prepare Steve Jobs for these presentations and make sure if things working and kind of mumsy mother him along the way she seems to have this amazing loyalty for Steve Jobs but it's one of my real criticisms of this film that I don't feel you see why she would be loyal to Steve Jobs and the primary thing that she's trying to mother him about is establishing a better relationship with his daughter and the mother of his daughter. A daughter who he does not acknowledge paternity of, whose mother he maligns in the press. There are some hurdles you need to get over when you're watching this film. The first one is that Michael Fassbender doesn't look like Steve Jobs. I've got less of an issue with that. The second is the fact that Kate Winsland's sort of mild East European accent only starts to come through in the second of the three uh, segments, which is a little bit weak. But I think the primary problem I have with this film is its reductive psychology. So there's all sorts of stuff about Is Steve Jobs obsessed with the fact that his parents gave him up from adoption and then the adoptive parents were going to potentially have to give him back because they didn't love him? It's just all very um, neatly packaged up into this conversation that he has ongoing with John Scully. And even worse, what I find very suspicious is the idea that Aaron Sorkin needs us to have a resolution and the happy ending regarding his relationship with his daughter, who, to be honest, he treats like crap in the first segment of the film. And I was trying to think to myself, you know, when you look at The Social Network, which was about Mark Zuckerberg, it was a sympathetic portrayal, but it did not attempt to soften the rough edges of the character. And it didn't give him an emotional resolution, which it could have done, right? Because Mark Zuckerberg's married... Um, you know, was in a long-term stable relationship by the end of the the events shown in that film. What is it about our very weird, tactile, emotional relationship to Apple products that makes Aaron Sorkin and Danny Boyle feel that they need to make us like Steve Jobs by the end of this film? Because if that weren't the case, you wouldn't have the Kate Winslet character who is meant to soften him. And you wouldn't have effectively all the relationship stuff that happens in the third segment, which I found to be unbelievable, forced, reductive, simplistic, schmaltzy, and everything that I don't like in cinema. And I think it really undermines the project as a whole, even though it's well made and well acted for the most part so i doubt the credibility i doubt the good intentions and integrity of this film when it comes to relationships and i think it's a fascinating concept of why they felt with apple in particular and steve jobs in particular they needed to do that so overall i think you know steve jobs is a perfectly well-made film it's fast-paced it's got a kind of neat concept to it it's well acted but I think it really loses it in the final half hour. And to that extent, it's not a good film. And I think a lot of people came into this screening at the London Film Festival thinking, "Mm, I wonder if this is like an award sort of worthy performance from Fassbender. Fassbender's done amazing stuff. 12 Years a Slave, Hunger, Shame. This is not one of the great performances. Um, It's, as any Aaron Sorkin movie, a performance is crowded out by the script, I'm afraid to say. And I think that when you commission Aaron Sorkin for a movie script, you've got to be really careful what you're doing because he can potentially crowd out everybody else who's associated with it. However, if you've seen Steve Jobs' The Movie and agree or disagree with my take, please feel free to leave a comment on the blog at beena 007com Otherwise, thank you for listening. What do you do? You're not an engineer. You're not a designer. You can't put a hammer to a nail. I built the circuit board. The graphical interface was stolen. So how come 10 times in a day, I read Steve Jobs as a genius? What do you do? Musicians play their instruments. I play the orchestra. I hear you've been worse than usual this morning. I didn't think that was possible. It's a system error. Fix it. Fix it? Yeah. We're not a pit crew at Daytona. This can't be fixed in seconds. You didn't have seconds. You had three weeks. The universe was created in a third of that time. Well, someday you'll have to tell us how you did it. (laughs) I'm begging you to manage expectations out there. You see how this reminds you of a friendly face? It's warm and it's playful and inviting and it needs to say hello. If you keep alienating people for no reason, there's no one left for it to say hello to. Your Apple stock was worth $441 million while your daughter and her mother are on welfare. She's not my daughter! You must be able to see that she looks like you. You're issuing contradictory instructions, you're insubordinate, you make people miserable. Even if that were true, doesn't sound that diabolical to me. Steve Jobs has a running time of 122 minutes and is rated R. The film played the Telluride and London Film Festivals 2015 and is already on release in Israel. The film opens wide in the United States on October 23rd and in Turkey on October 30th. It opens on November 13th in Austria, the Czech Republic, Germany, Portugal, the United Kingdom, Ireland, Iceland and Poland. For the full list of further release dates, please see the full written review at beena 7com Thank you for listening.